0: Back, back, back. Uh, oh, no, a a oh, What's
1: up, everybody? Welcome to the 1796 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, normal Valfan, joined alongside with Ryan. Well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. I mean, we had a nice blowout win against Vanderbilt on both sides, uh, men's and women's. Um, On the men's side, all around great performance by everybody. Everybody was hitting their shots. Everyone was playing well, passing the ball. Uh, Defense was awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to take a deep dive into some baseball news, some things we think that maybe could be improved upon and... I want to talk about some, you know, fan comments that is just ridiculous <laughs> on Twitter over one loss in baseball, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. W- let's take a deep dive into the the men's basketball game, eighty eight to fifty three victory at home against Vanderbilt. Uh, what would you think about it? Who who stood out to you?
0: Well, as far as the, I mean, it, it was the the biggest thing to me about the game. Before I get to the players, I thought stood out was. The, the the Zakai Ziegler played the most minutes of anybody on the team, and he played twenty four minutes. Um, that's beautiful, especially when you're getting late in the season, and pe- people's legs are getting tired. And, and and the the bigger thing is you get to see, um, <clears throat> Cade Phillips. You get to see Cameron Carr. You get to see Freddie DeLeon for more than just a, a cameo of you know, a few possessions. So, that's the the main takeaway to me. And then, uh, as far as the players who played the best, he really had a balanced scoring attack uh, amongst all the starters. He uh, had Ziegler with 14, Connect with 14, uh, Triple J with 13, Viscovy with 12, and Adu with 11. And then, the the people who finished out the last 12 minutes of the game, you know, kept the lead at 30 or more. So... It was an all-around great performance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like we finally saw a Vescovy showcase to where he he, he seemed a lot more confident in this game yeah. to where all his shots were just, just smooth. It's like he he wanted to shoot the ball that day. And when he's hitting shots, man, this team is almost unbeatable. Especially when you got Triple J doing his thing. He, he's turned it around complete 360. And, you know, it, it, it's huge for this team. When Triple J and Vescovy are playing at their best, where Dalton Connect doesn't have to score 30 for this team to win, it's huge. So um, another guy that really stood out and played really well, in my opinion, was Awaka. I mm-hmm. mean, he had, what, two or three and ones? And just yeah, yeah. the the guy's a monster. Um I think a little bit more time with him, he's gonna be a real good big man come the future. I mean he already is, but I think I think he's just gonna get better as the time goes on.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, Awaka was dominant. A do played pretty well for the, the minutes he was in. And we out rebounded them, we shot threes better than them, we actually set a a season high and three pointers made. And, you know, it's just all around dominance. Like we both figured would happen to our, on our predictions from the last episode. So you can't ask for anything better. And we probably have a chance to do the exact same thing in Columbia, Missouri on, on Tuesday night. I mean, these two games couldn't have come out a better time because the kind of the narrative coming out of Texas A&M was, you know the team kind of looked tired, so I think it's it's awesome that you were able to just coast to the end of the game, like like with the last twelve minutes with your young freshman. Which, by the way, those minutes will pay dividends down the road, if not you know during the end of this year, next year. So it's 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 a really good development.
1: Absolutely, and you know what's funny is Matt. Carr is an absolute maniac on the defensive end. that kid I I, I don't know I, to me he earned minutes he got a couple foul calls that were just to me all ball. The kid was all over the court on one side of the you know of the court obviously on the defensive end uh even on the offensive end I mean the more minutes he gets uh Cameron Carr is gonna be a menace next year when he gets a lot more playing time but um yeah he really stood out to me um gainy had a struggle he he struggled that night but it's not a big deal he's been on fire for the most part and we really didn't need him to hit his shots if Gainey hit his shots we would have won by 50 uh yeah he missed i think four or five threes which and they were all good shots too it wasn't four shots either but um yeah it's
0: it's kind of crazy. We we set a season high in threes with 14, and Dalton Connect made one, and Jordan Ganey made zero. I mean, that's, yes, that's that's that just insane. shows you that this team is deep. It's always been deep. And I think the depth is really showing up now when you get to the, the later stages of com- conference play.
1: And the crowd, man. The crowd shocked me for a Vanderbilt game. It was packed, it was loud, and and that's what we need, especially with the games coming up. I mean, we got Auburn coming to town, Kentucky's coming to town, Texas A&M's coming to town. We need the crowds to be like that and to give these guys some extra motivation, not that they're not motivated, but extra motivation to get these wins. Because if you could take those three games, I mean, you got a gauntlet at the end of the season. I mean, you got those three teams. You got to go to South Carolina, and you got to go to Missouri. And I mean, and Alabama. So it's it's a it's a rough last couple games before March.
0: Yeah, the those I, th- I think I said on the last episode those last four games Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina, Kentucky are going to decide who wins or loses the conference. I mean, as simple as that. And those are four huge, big time SEC matchups. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a, a tough, a tall task to even win three out of three out of four. There, I mean, I, th- I think if you win all four, I mean, that's almost a miracle. Especially having to go to South Carolina and having to go to Alabama. But <clears throat> it wouldn't surprise me at all if we did win all four because I think we've already touched on it. This team is deep. They're hitting their stride at the right time, and even if some players don't play well, it was Gainey last night. You can still beat somebody by thirty, so
1: even if it is I, Vanderbilt,
0: yeah, Vanderbilt's
1: I mean, actually a good team in the first half, and we do They almost, they almost didn't even score twenty. Did they score twenty?
0: I think they had twenty-one in the first half.
1: Yeah, and they're and, usually a really good first-half yeah, team.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, me and you said it before we recorded, but Tennessee could have scored one hundred twenty points if they wanted to. Easily, Maybe it would have been easy. Yeah, I think because the kinda, starters were out. What
1: at, at like the 13th minute mark at, yeah. in the in the second half?
0: Yeah, uh, 12 or 13 minute mark, and then we coasted to the end with the the people off the bench. Now, the one thing that is concerning to me from the game is that you had Grant Hurst play, you had Colin Coyne play, you had Freddie DeLeon play, Cade Phillips play, Cameron Carr play. But still, no D.J. Jefferson. So mm. it it it's really looking like he's probably going to be gone at the end of the year. I know. I think we all kind of forgot about this, but he he was suspended from the team and but before the season started, and maybe he's still in the doghouse among the coaching staff, specifically Rick Barnes. So you, well, you never know, miss practice or something. Yeah, it was it was something like that, and there's a lot of reports that say he was real close to just being flat out. Dismissed from the program, but I I don't really want to speculate further than that. But that did happen, and I I don't think you can say with a straight face that that isn't having an effect on his lack of playing time, which would be zero minutes the entire year. So,
1: well, especially in a game like that, like everyone got in, even guys I didn't even know that were on the team got to play, and there's obviously something going on. But obviously, we're you know outside the loop, and we won't know, but. I hope, you know, it gets worked out because I think he is a good player and he definitely has a lot of potential, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if that's the one negative thing from the game, like, we're doing pretty good. Um, and the last point I wanted to make about that game is, uh, <clears throat> well, I've kind of already already made this point, but I just want to stress how important it is that the our most – our player with the most minutes logged was Zachary Ziegler with 24 and that's 15 minutes less than he normally plays. He played the whole game against Texas A&M and he played the 30 plus minutes against Arkansas. It's those minutes that, you know, he didn't have to play the other night are so valuable because he is yep. carrying the load point guard wise. I mean, it's.
1: Yeah. And he's proven he's been an absolute stud all year. Um, Obviously, everyone has that couple games where, you know, you just don't show up, which is okay. I mean, no one's perfect. No one's no one's gonna be LeBron James in college, and yep. um, but yeah, I mean, overall, great performance by the men's team. But going into the women's team, women's team played absolutely incredible today, and they look like a like a rejuvenated group that when playing the way they played because Vanderbilt girls basketball has been doing good this year and they came in and really showed what they had. I mean, they just barely lost to South Carolina. They gave it up in the fourth quarter. They showed that they could hang around with teams like that. And that was with like you, I think you said to me, I mean, Spear didn't really play well in the South Carolina game. And, you know, they just 86 to 61 against Vanderbilt on the road. Um, Rakia Jackson, obviously just another awesome performance with 24 points, seven boards and four assists, but you know, Spear great six point. She had, uh, you know, 16 points, but I mean, that's huge for coming off a game where she struggled. So what'd you think about it? Did you get to watch the game?
0: I didn't get to see it. I was, uh, playing some golf this afternoon, but I think I said it last time too the last episode that if Jules Spear does what she normally does against South Carolina, you probably win that game. So it's a great bounce pack bounce back performance for her, especially on the road in SEC play against a decent team, like like you said. And you know, if the Lady Vols, <clears throat> their remaining schedule, they still have to play at L S U. They uh, they still have to let me look here. Still have to play L S U still they, they get a&M at home, and then they get South Carolina on the road. So, you got two out of those three matchups are pretty tough, but I think it's not unrealistic to think that we can grab one of I think LSU at home is the game that you, you, you really need to grab if you want to move your seating up a little and have a good chance in the tournament to at least get to the Sweet 16.
1: And LSU is definitely beatable this year.
0: Yeah, especially if we're playing in Knoxville. I mean, I think the, there was drama with LSU at the start of the year with uh, Angel Reese and uh, their coach. I forget her name. Everybody knows what she the, looks I like. I call her the peacock. <laughs> yeah, she, she dresses very flamboyantly, which, you know, more power to her. She's a great coach. Kim Mulkey. Um, yes, yeah. Um, But, yeah, there was drama between her and, and Angel Reese at the beginning of the year, which – I don't think anybody really knows what actually happened, but, and they also have uh, Haley Van Lith. But I think they've kind of underperformed this year based on their expectations coming into the year. But I still think they've played well enough where that would be a huge win when you're talking about seeding for the the women's big tournament.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And I don't mean to like skip past them a lot of the time, but they really, you know, I wouldn't call them, like, a super disappointment this year because they're obviously still going to make the tournament. They have a potential to be probably a 7-8 seed, probably, maybe. I mean, if you lose two games out of the three, you'll probably end up being, like, a, a 9 seed, which is okay. Um, just get in the tournament and, you know, win the games you got to win. But um, uh, you got anything else you want to cover on the women's side?
0: I think that's it, man. You, it's, it's the same deal with the the men. I mean, you got three big games to end of the year against pretty good teams in conference. So it's another, it's a huge opportunity on the women's side as well to close out the season.
1: Absolutely, and we'll see what you know Kelly Harper could do, and hopefully, you know, I mean, you think about it. If She wins two out of three and goes maybe to the Sweet Sixteen or even the Elite Eight. She might have a potential to keeping her job. I don't know about what you think about that, but
0: yeah, well, we'll just have to see. We'll, we'll, however we, we end the year, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm open to keeping her if she makes a final four or an elite eight run, but you know, it's looking unlikely at this point. And you know that the point is just do the, do the best you can and then assess the program whenever the season is finished.
1: Absolutely. Now let's, uh, let's take a deep dive into some baseball. Uh, Baseball team had played two games already. They're about to start their third game here in a couple minutes. But, um, you know, won the first game against a good Texas Tech team, won 6-2. Played really well. Uh, Russell obviously had a great game. Um, but we lost in extra innings against Oklahoma, and Oklahoma is not a bad team. They're a very good team. Um, lost 5-1 to one in extras off a silly coaching decision that I thought was – a rookie coaching decision. Um, Aaron Combs pitched really well to the point, you know, where they should have took him out after he walked this first guy. Then he comes in and walks another guy and you decide to leave him in the game. Now I understand their logic there, but I still, I think it was time to pull him. and, you know, we could have pro- possibly gotten out of that inning with only one run given up. But, yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, tough loss, but I mean, last year we lost the Grand Canyon in the you know, first couple games of the season. So, a lot of these fans <clears throat> talking about how we're not going to go to Omaha. This season just started and there's a lot of baseball left. So, uh yeah. definitely need to keep those comments down in my opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the overreaction and the melting down over one. I mean, it's the second game of the year, people. I mean, everybody just needs to calm down for a second. Like, don't be a redneck and say, oh, this team is – this team ain't going to do nothing. They can't hit after two games. I mean, we, we went through this last year. I mean, we lost two out of the three games – to begin last year too in in Arizona, and against far worse teams than we're playing this year and in the the tournament to start the year or the the games we have to start the year, and we were also five and ten through SEC play in baseball last year and ended up still making the College World Series. So people just need to take everything with a grain of salt right now. Things are going to shake themselves out before conference play starts, and. <clears throat> You know, you you mentioned the the coaching decision by by Tony. I don't think – I mean, it was probably the wrong move based on the result that happened. But if we catch that ball in left field, which was very catchable. Yeah, absolutely. It was was, was a play that could – you probably could even say should have been made. You know, you might be looking at it completely differently. But what happened happened, and we ended up losing that game. But – you know, it's like you said. Oklahoma is a good team. They're an experienced team. They went to Omaha two years ago. I mean, it's not like we're playing, you know, little sisters of the poor here. Like we're playing good teams in an MLB ballpark. So everybody needs to chill out for a second, and we have a chance against Baylor tonight to finish the weekend strong. And I'm, I really believe we will because I don't. I think this lineup is too good, hitting wise, power wise. The pitching's too good. For this, for for a game like last night to happen too much this
1: year. Absolutely, and and going to another coaching decision. I mean, third game of the season, and Tony's already flipped the, you know, lineup card upside down pretty much. Um, you know, he's got Hunter Ensley leading off with Dylan Dr- Dr- Drill Dryling, uh, batting second with Semo at third. You know, batting third, and then you get to see Dalton Bargo, a Missouri transfer that I think is going to be another great hitter in this lineup. And then followed by Billy Amick, Canon Peebles, Blake Burke, um, Bracky Laurie and uh Tears. I mean, this lineup is absolutely loaded. The fact that you have Blake Burke batting seventh is yeah. absolutely ridiculous. And even Tears, Tears batting ninth is ridiculous. Um, I like to see Lori turn around a little bit. Um, I like his attitude. Does he not remind you of uh Drew Gilbert? Just his little yeah. attitude when he goes to the plate, yeah. And I was like, "Oh yeah, this kid, he's gonna be something."
0: Yeah, his his demeanor just seems like he's gonna jerk one out of the ballpark every time he steps in the box, which is, is, is it's it's what you want. I mean, I think a lot of baseball is mental. If you if you go up there thinking, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna strike out or ground into an out at first, I mean, you're not you're never gonna be much because you know baseball is hard. It's hard enough to hit a baseball when you get in your own head. It's even harder. So I I I love seeing that attitude, and I think a lot of the players on this team showcase that attitude. And you know, the can you go over, go over the lineup again? Is, is Christian Moore in the lineup tonight?
1: Yeah, he's batting third.
0: Okay, good, good, because he, he he
1: dude, he's he's a stud. That kid,
0: yeah. He, and realistically,
1: he, he, he hit a, he hit a home run last night. I don't know if you if you watched that, but that was a home yeah. run.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is an MLB ready hitter right now. I mean, he's so good, and I I really don't see him moving out of the the three hole the entire year. And he's great on defense too. I mean, I I, I think he's going to be the best position player for the balls this year, hands down.
1: Absolutely. And you got to remember, our shortstop's actually hurt. That freshman, uh, he's hurt. Mm-hmm. And once he comes back, you'll have Semo move back to second, and uh, we'll have another, we'll have our, you know, true shortstop. Not saying Semo's playing bad at all. I'm just saying, you know, Simo's yeah. natural position is second base. But he's playing really well at shortstop, uh, stepping in in a spot that we really need him. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, hopefully Xander will pitch, you know, as well as we, you know, as advertised, um, he, he, he was 0 for 1, 0 and 1 last year. Uh, he didn't get to pitch a lot, obviously, because we had Dolander and Burns and, and all that. But I mean, if, if Tennessee could win tonight, you have, you, you know, you'd be two really good teams and lost to a really good team. I mean, going 2 and 1 in a weekend like this is really good. The pitching has looked absolutely amazing so far. Um, I, I, I just don't see how people could be upset, especially if we win this game tonight, come out of this weekend 2-1. Uh, your schedule's looking pretty nice. I mean, you versus UNC Asheville at home, ETSU at home, and then Albany for three games at home. And then you got a nice little easy gauntlet of games coming your way. and. This team could really, you know, use a big win tonight and take the momentum into this long stretch of games.
0: Yep, I mean non-conference play, non-conference play in college baseball is normally not too challenging, uh, and uh, you know, you it's like you said, you have a chance to win some games, some games, gain some confidence before you really get things going in conference play. And I think the Vols will do that. I mean, they're they're too talented to not be hitting on all, all cylinders once conference play rolls around next month. And I, I uh, wrote about this before Friday night, the, the Vols' first game against Texas Tech, but any sweeping conclusions, any this team won't do anything, any this team is College World Series bound, should wait until May at the earliest because – Conference play is hard. You know, I already mentioned it. Last year, we were five games below 500 halfway through conference play, and we ended up 16 and 14. We won 11 of our last 15 games to finish conference play strong. We rode that momentum to the regionals, into the Super Regionals, and finally into the College World Series in Omaha. So it's like I I started this baseball talk with. You have to just be patient with the baseball, even more than basketball. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but a lot of Tennessee fans are so used to football and so used to the last 15 years of melting down over one loss that they think that applies to every sport, which it does not. Not even close. Like, baseball and basketball are way different than football. And people just have to realize that, man. It's it's so annoying to see people just give up two games in.
1: Well, crazy. the guy doing it is doing it because he, he noticed that the only way he gets interactions is saying stupid shit like that.
0: I think I know who you're talking about, but we'll keep him nameless.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving no credit. I mean, <laughs> it, it it's so annoying to see because these athletes, they see this. I mean, they see all our stuff. Believe it or not, even the smaller accounts that you don't think people see it. I mean... If you're talking about Tennessee stuff, I guarantee you, they're seeing that stuff because it pops up on their for you page, and mm-hmm. you know, you want these you know younger kids that are either verbally committed, especially in football. The football players are on Twitter like crazy, and I mean we've we've talked to Bennett Warren, I and he's even said like the our fan base is crazy, mm-hmm. and it's true, and it's not always in a good way. Like, yes, if we're winning, we're absolutely crazy. But when we're losing, oh, man, you got, like, some people get really, really upset and say some really crazy things, which hopefully can, uh, you know, <laughs> change in the long run.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy redneck bullshit. I'm not trying to call everybody rednecks who's negative, but, you know, that's just a good catch-all term for this these silly takes. Every time Tennessee happens to lose a game, I mean, it's just crazy, man. I, I totally agree with all your points there. People see what what you say on Twitter, and sometimes the players who actually you're talking about see it too. And you know, hence I, Triple I under- J. <clears throat> yeah,
1: he bought yeah. me. <laughs> I, I
0: under I understand that it, you know, it takes a certain mental toughness to be a college athlete, and looking at Twitter is probably not the best thing to do, but. They're, we're talking about, you know, fresh out of high school kids here. They're going to be on social media. They're going to see some of this silly talk. So just watch what you say. Try to be positive and support the boys. I mean, I, I I will take it upon myself to let everybody know when it's time to melt down over the baseball or basketball teams. Just 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 follow me, and, and I, will <laughs> let, I will I will let you know.
1: It is true. I mean, and I, I I've said it to Ryan in the group chat we have that, you know, this team sucks, and he gets really upset sometimes because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because that's why I do text somebody. I got to say it in a group chat, and I don't post it on Twitter because mm-hmm. sometimes I'm thinking this team sucks when, you know, we're having a rough game or, you know. I had to turn the game off the other night against Oklahoma. Once they scored five runs, I was like, yep, yeah, that's it. But, um,
0: I you know. Hold it. I, I don't hold anything against you that you say during the heat of a Tennessee sporting event. Well, that was
1: when Triple J was like non-existent, and yeah, like I said, yeah. he blocked me on Twitter because he's seen my uh, "Where's Waldo" meme, including him.
0: Well, he he showed up finally. He did, I
1: and I'm taking credit for that. I'm taking full credit for Triple J showing up.
0: You 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 were the sole reason that that happened, man. Yes,
1: <laughs> not him not him practicing shots. Hour and a half after the game. It was me saying, where's Waldo featuring Triple J?
0: Absolutely. Anytime you look in the history books, the Tennessee basketball for 2023-2024, needs to be an asterisk next next to the Kentucky game that says credit to normal ball fan.
1: (laughs) I'm not against it. And you know, obviously, you know the baseball game is about to come on and all that. But I do want to talk a little bit about football. I saw someone post a um, a little like top running backs coming back this year, and Dylan Sampson wasn't on that list, and I was really shocked about it because to me, I'm not saying Dylan Sampson's the best running back in college football this coming year, but I think he's top ten.
0: Oh, yeah, easily. I mean, he's too explosive. He's too – this will be his third year in the program. He has a system built around running the ball and a veteran offensive line to block for him. I mean, that's lunacy that he's not on a top ten list.
1: Yeah, and I get, you know, Ollie Gordon and Judkins, but, yeah. you know, I, I see him as – I'll probably put – I, and that's not bias either. I'd probably put him in the top five somewhere. But I thought – I saw that and I thought I had to mention that because – I just, like you said, I mean, this kid's going to be an absolute stud this year. Um, just hoping he could fix his pass blocking a little bit. Not, not, I mean, I'm not expecting him to be perfect, but we need to have him, you know, to block for Nico this year. Uh, and we can't be relying on Selden to do all the blocking. So, but hopefully, I mean, we got good blocking tight ends too, um, it's going to be a good year for some football. I, I, I'm i so excited for this coming football year. It's just, you know, a lot to live up to with this, you know, this team, especially with Nico at the helm.
0: Yeah. And speaking of, uh, running backs and Dylan Sampson, Austin price put out a piece today on Vogue quest that said Tennessee has interviewed, uh, Oregon running backs, coach Carlos Lachlan and, uh, TCU assistant Anthony Jones Jr. they have both been interviewed and um, that's huge
1: that's huge news
0: yeah and uh, another name that they were able to uncover that we've been talking to was uh Cincinnati running backs coach Darrell Sims who um, was the running backs coach for uh Carson Newman he was at West Carolina so he he knows the east tennessee to carolina area he's been in the south before And then uh, this is kind of fresher news because of, you know, the recency of Brian Jean Mary going to Michigan. But the only name that Austin Price mentioned on that side that they've heard so far is Roy Manning, who has been with uh, USC the past few years. So just a little coaching search update for everybody there.
1: Now, realistically, who, who do you want? My opinion is either the Oregon guy or the TCU guy. But, um, I mean, there's a bunch of good options. Like we talked about last podcast that, you know, Josh, I I, I trust Josh Heibel to make the right choice, but we really need a good recruiter along with the running backs coach. Um, Same thing with the linebackers coach. Uh, uh, It's going to be really interesting, but it's nice to hear, I mean, that they interviewed already, so that means they're interested. And um, we'll see what uh, Josh Heibel decides to do.
0: Yeah, if – If I was making the coaching decision, I I would go with uh, Anthony Jones Jr. at TCU just because he's been in Texas for the past few years. That's always some good recruiting ties to have. And uh, yeah, I mean, Carlos Lachlan is right. He's probably second for me too. I mean, Oregon has also been a dominant in recruiting. And I think, I mean, he's got to have something to do with that. But the ties to Texas make make me lean lean towards Anthony Jones Jr. for the time yeah, being.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that's a a little bit of a better option just because of that. And uh, you know, coming from the West side of the United States, gonna be hard to take some, you know, kids all the way down south to Knoxville, Tennessee. But, you know, we've been surprised before, but I, I do expect probably you know, the TCU, um, what's his name again?
0: Who is it? Sorry. you. you cut what, out.
1: What's the, what's the TCU guys name again?
0: Anthony Jones jr.
1: Yeah. I, I expect Jones jr. To be probably the number one candidate so far, but I think we got plenty of time, but they're going to want to fill this vacancy pretty quick, um, and get, you know, them accumulated to the system and, get them out recruiting right away. Same thing with the linebackers position. I expect these positions to be filled hopefully before the orange and white game.
0: Yeah. Uh, ideally, even before spring practice even starts. So I totally agree. It's better to get them in as quickly as possible because the system is not something that you, you, you can learn in just a few weeks. you, you I mean, I think that's super important to get them locked down asap. So,
1: anything else?
0: Anything else you want to talk about tonight, man?
1: I don't think so. Uh, Like we got the game about to pop on, and hopefully the boys could you know get out of this weekend two and one. And uh, yeah, we got Missouri on what Tuesday?
0: Yes, Tuesday night in Columbia.
1: Yep, that's another big game. So hopefully the boys could pull it out. But, no, I think that's it for our day. I think uh, we'll go enjoy some baseball and hopefully a a nice dub to round out the weekend. Absolutely. Perfect. All right. So uh, we appreciate everyone listening. Um, You know, big shout-out to if you subscribe. It's free, easy. Like the podcast. And uh, make sure to follow us on uh, X and um, keep up with the content and news on newer podcasts. But uh, again I'm normal ball fan and I'm joined with Ryan uh, and let's go balls
0: go balls